going on, guys? Chris Starr again with the Wildlife Command Center podcast. We're doing another Nuisance Wildlife Wednesday. This week, black rats. Now, these are the rats that everybody thinks of when you think, eek, a rat! It's black rats, the ones that are in New York that are like four feet long. They're ones that are most likely up in your attic space when somebody like does an inspection and says, you have rats. Or if you haven't had an inspection done, it's what's up in your attic making all those thumps in the night, the thumps and the bumps in the night. Them's the black rats. They're also called roof rats because of their incredible climbing ability and the fact that they usually live up in roofs, up on roofs, in people's attics. So one of the main, let's start with like where most people start out. It's they, you know, what I just mentioned, they hear some like little, little stuff, right? It's not thuds. It's not pitter-patters. I would say it's thumps because, you know, after a year or so, those suckers can get pretty big. And when they know that they're safe up in an attic space, they tend to, you know, let their hair down and, and run around a lot and do some thumping and bumping. So one of the main things that draws rats to people's houses is food sources. That's their main concern in life. It's finding food, you know, and crazy thing is rats can eat just about everything you know, in all honesty. But what I mostly see them get drawn to is people in people's houses. The number one attractant from in my experience is, and I can't even knock people for this, bird feeders, right? Those birds are so messy. They don't give a dang about how messy they are. And they throw that seed on the ground. You know, you always see squirrels climbing up into bird feeders. Rats don't need to do that. They will just scavenge from all of the fallen seed that's on the ground. The second I would probably have to say is like fruit trees, right? They'll climb those trees like it's nobody's business, get up there and eat the fruit out of it. Or, you know, when those fruit trees get way too productive and people leave fallen fruit on the ground, they will definitely hit those up as well. And, you know, the next biggest attractant is water in dry areas. You know, most of the country doesn't need to deal with that. But out here in the West, water is a big deal. Water features, bird baths koi ponds or like a leak, like a leaky hose, that can even draw them in super arid areas. But the main thing is the food. Trash that's sitting around a super awesome garden. Oh my gosh. I Oh, I saw, I did an inspection a couple weeks ago. They're like, they're living in the garden. And I'm like, they never just live in the garden. Well, so one of the things that they did is, so like they had their like normal lawn and then a whole, I mean, these, this was a very productive backyard. I mean, this is like a dream backyard, right? Hell of fruit trees, a gang of productive vegetable garden beds. And the way that they helped take down some of the maintenance on those beds is they put that ground cover. What is it like? It's the stuff that you put down to block the weeds, basically. Well, the freaking rats had figured out to get underneath it, and then boom, just a labyrinth of super safe areas for rats to live. And because their garden was so productive, they had all the food they could possibly want. And like I said, there were fruit trees in the back. They were scavenging from the fallen fruit that was on the ground. So it was just overrun with black rats. Now, usually when people are seeing stuff out in the yard that's like uh, tunnels and burrows that are down low, most of the time that is brown rats. But we're not going to talk about uh, brown rats right now. Uh, black rats are 
extremely adaptable. And so they will just, you know, transition to living underground. It's no big deal for them. So when we come out, they're saying that they hear some bumply dumplies up in the attic space. The first thing we'll do, you know, we'll get up in there and take a look, you know, after a little bit of a on the ground exterior inspection, what we can see from the outside. We'll get up into the attic space and it'll be pretty obvious if it's black rats. We're going to see very distinct trails through the insulation, you know, little runways and this is and that's and on the like electrical conduit or water lines, the tops of the air conditioning ducts, we're going to see prints and tracks and trails through all of that as well as the big kablawi droppings, rat droppings and pee. And sometimes if it's bad enough, there's an odor up there. And so then from, you know, we tell them from there, yeah, rats. And then they, ee! you know, they freak out. Of course, nobody wants rats, right? Rat, rats. Ah, rats are a lot scarier than I just said. Oh, you have mice. Oh, okay. You know, we'll, we'll just set some traps. But if it's rats, it's like, oh, rats, you know, they're five times the size of a mouse. They'll eat your babies. So we then, from that point, figure out where the animals are coming and going from, which usually in the case of black rats or roof rats, I usually just call them black rats. Rattus, rattus, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, and real quick, the way you differentiate a black rat from a brown rat is the tail of the black rat is longer than its own body. Super long tails. Whereas brown rats, their tail is usually the length of their body. And they're usually not up in attics. That's a big concern. So back to how they get in. It's usually up high. They usually get up onto the roof. Most oftentimes, in all honesty, what I've seen the most is rats get into houses that are the easiest to access. And that's usually from tree limbs touching the roof line. And so the first thing we do in this instance, you know, if they're they're wanting us to get rid of this issue is to say, hey, we need to get these limbs off the roof, kind of like raccoons and a lot of other roof dwelling roof dwelling animals, basically, huh? Animals that get in to people's attic spaces in rural areas. And then, so from there, you know, the actual entry points are a lot of time roof to soffit junctions, like dormer gaps, where conjoining roof lines meet up deep, deep in the hole, basically where the shadow is. A lot of times the roofers and like the home builders, they are concerned with getting water or keeping water out. They're not that concerned with keeping teensy tiny animals out. And anything a rat can squeeze like its skull through, that's the biggest fixed bone on its body. It could squeeze its whole body through. So, I mean, in all honesty, a monster full-grown black rat, all they really need is about the size of a 50-cent piece to get in in a house. And dude, when you've inspected a few thousand houses like I have, that is so many places. They will also get into like underneath roof jacks and jacks are the, you know, the little pipes that you see sticking up on the tops of roofs. Those are for like back pressure on toilets or vents, various different things. A lot of times over the years, the bottoms of those jacks will kind of go up maybe from wind shear. If they're on like the Western face or the Southern face, wind shear will kind of bring them up and that'll allow rats access. Now, besides up high, which is where I usually see them coming in from the second, I mean, you know, it's kind of straightforward. doesn't need to be said, but the second most often place I've seen them is down low. And then, then like from there, a lot of times they go, they, you know, they get in from down low and then they go up into the attic. So what that usually is, is from like 
crawl space vents that like the wires busted out or like a, a contractor who whose job was it it was not to keep rats out like the running a line like a new electrical line or a new water line into a crawl space vent and they leave just straight up man a couple of inches you know most of the screen's still there so it's not going to let in a dang zebra but rats don't need that much space so they have just a little bit of that space they get in through there and then from there they'll go up the walls usually up like sewer lines and stuff like that up into the attic where it's safe they can run around and be merry and berry and on their way so areas beneath decks so like when a deck juts out from a house a decent amount like the bigger the deck the more space for the pests that's what i always say usually underneath that deck especially if it's super super low to the ground that's where the goodies are because it's a lot safer the lower it is the more safe it is for little teensy weensy animals like rats and so a lot of times underneath there there's access points that just get over missed over missed yeah overlooked missed or like not even installed i've been underneath a deck <laughs> that there was just a completely open space and it allowed raccoons in and rats, but there was just like a completely, like a spot that was just, I don't even know if it was the builder's fault or whatever. It was just not closed up. It was completely open. I could almost crawl my skinny behind through that space. And so the raccoons found that and then made a mess. So once we figured out all of the areas that these animals are coming in and out from, we identify these and then we bring it to the homeowner and let them know everything that we've seen and what we need to do to close them up, crawl space vents, rewiring them, roof esophage junctions, sheet metaling or wiring those in, lead jacks, form fitting them down, sometimes taking them off, screening where that is so that they can still breathe or function properly, and then reinstalling the jack or even installing a new jack, putting roof vent guards over like the attic vents at the top of the house, everything that we need to do to close them up. We relay all of that to the customer. And it's usually pretty dang extensive, man. Like I said, anything quarter to 50 cent piece and smaller has to be sealed up. You could seal up 99 holes and the rats will still be able to get in. If you leave one spot, they'll all just start using that and it's no big deal. So we will seal up all of those areas and only once those areas are sealed up, completely lock them in, so to speak, or out. That's when we extensively trap them out of the inside of the attic. I mean, you know, just depending on how many rats that we're dealing with, we'll set up a whole slew of traps up in there, almost always screwing them down to like attic decking or the studs because you don't want a rat to get trapped. Like depending on the size of the the traps that you're using, you know, we usually use like medium quote unquote rat traps so that we can also catch the small ones or possibly mice that are up in there. You know, if you if you set like the maximum size, what everybody thinks is a rat trap, the big giant wooden ones, the smallest rats can sometimes get in there and get the bait off without setting off the trap unless it's screwed down, you know, because then the trap won't really move when they're fiddling with the bait that's on the pan. And so if they do get caught, we don't want them running off in the insulation, getting buried and dying, and then it's just, you know, wild rat goose goose rat chase to figure out where the dead animal smell is coming from because then we'll need to go in and remove that nobody wants to do that so screw a bunch of rat traps down and then what we usually do is set up return trips about a week 
and then two weeks. And if it's a really bad infestation, three weeks after in succession, like seven days between the, the trips to come back in, reinspect all of our repairs, remove the rats that we've trapped, unless they've eaten each other already. That happens a lot. Pretty gross stuff. A lot of times we will see, you know, because we're essentially taking away their food sources from them after they've eaten up their stores, they will cannibalize the rats that get caught on the traps first. So there's been instances when there's a, a whole gang, like a big, you know, New York gang style of rats up in there. And the only rats that I'll catch is like three weeks in, and it's the last two just absolute monster size rats because the little ones will get caught. Well, excuse me. Yeah, I, I will catch some, but then like I'll go in there and then I'll check my traps and there will be, <laughs> they'll be tripped and then just like a little speck of fur. Pretty gross stuff. Like the rats ate the rest of the rat. And a lot of times, even before going to the traps, the big ones will cannibalize the small ones. You know, it's every, it's a ratty rat world out there. Every rat for themselves. So usually it just takes a few weeks to do everything and a whole bunch of work up front to close all of the entry points in, get the trees off the roof line, and then trap those suckers out of there. And then from there, I mean, there's nothing better than a happy family because they can sleep at night. But I mean, you know, usually it's not that bad in all of my cases that I've dealt with. It's not often infestations because, you know, once it's a true infestation, they are running amok, making all kinds of noise up in the attic space. And most people just can't live with that. So when I get called out for rats, it's usually just a couple. You know, the population up in the attic has grown to the, like swelled to the slight size where it's becoming annoying at night. They're starting to hear things. We come in, close the holes up, catch a few rats, call it a day, and everybody's super happy. So that's about it. And if you guys have any questions about rats or you might have rat issues, go ahead and contact us at wildlifecommandcenter.com. Or, you know, if you're in one of the cities that we're in, give our office a call. And if you suspect that you have rats, we can come out and we can deal with that situation for you. Alrighty, guys, that was it for the rat episode of Nuisance Wildlife Wednesdays. So this is Chris Starr, peace in the heck out of there. And if you've got rats, be thankful it's not bats. Uh, not the best sign off. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Have a good one. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this podcast. This is Michael Baran, a.k.a. Bare Hands Baran. Make sure you go now to Discovery Plus. Download our reality TV show, Bare Hands Rescue, where we are out there every day rescuing people from wild animals. It is entertaining, it is engaging, and it is informative. Download it today and listen for our next podcast.